KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Governor Newsom announces the nation's first statewide vaccine requirement for schools. We are announcing here today a statewide requirement for in-person instruction for COVID-19. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. A law professor faces consequences after being tied to the insurrection. John Eastman should be disbarred. There should be an investigation into what he did to try to manipulate the outcome of the election. And we'll tell you about the art scene with the weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Governor Gavin Newsom announced a vaccine mandate today for students and staff across all of the state's school districts. We recognize good enough never is, and that's why we recognize our responsibility to do more. And that's what we are announcing here today, a statewide requirement for in-person instruction for all of our children to add to a well-established list that currently includes 10 vaccinations to add to that list the vaccination for COVID-19. The deadline to comply will coincide with the full FDA authorization and approval of the vaccine. The move comes after San Diego Unified, the state's second largest school district, moved to mandate COVID-19 vaccination for all students and staff earlier this week. Joining us now to break down the announcement is KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. M.G., welcome back. Good to be here. So first off, can you break down this mandate for us? What is the deadline for compliance? Governor Newsom made it very clear that there were two target dates, January 1st, New Year's Day, and July 1st. He also made it very clear that this would only take effect once a full FDA approval had been granted. So that's uh, the target that we're looking for the, these mandates to be put into, uh, into action. So how well does this plan leave it in the hands of individual school districts to go about implementing this policy? In his press conference, uh, Newsom said that this will set what he calls a baseline expectation. In other words, the very least that a school district might do. Here's what he had to say about what would happen next. That's what we're providing here as a baseline expectation, but with the flexibility for these districts to move. If they feel they need to move at a different timeline, we will allow them that flexibility to move more expeditiously. And as we mentioned earlier, San Diego Unified, along with many other school districts across California, already have a similar mandate policy. How does this statewide mandate compare to what we've seen put in place locally? 
Locally, uh, San Diego Unified uh, went by the same rule only uh, for students who have been fully uh, approved by the FDA to have the vaccine. So that would be 17 years and older. Um, So it actually will just complement. And as the governor said, this is a baseline expectation. So districts could do more or they could do less depending on what the need is locally. California has been a nationwide leader in many ways with regards to its COVID-19 response. Do we expect other states to follow suit with this announcement? The governor certainly hopes uh, that will happen. Uh, And yes, we have been a leader. In fact, one of the statistics he mentioned in the press conference was that 50 million doses have been administered here in the state of California. And that uh, totals about 84 percent of all eligible Californians who have been vaccinated. So that's encouraging uh, news. It is also an act of leadership that he hopes other states will follow um, after today's announcement. Does he face any challenges implementing this policy? There are always challenges. Uh, I was watching the press conference on his YouTube channel, and I had to turn the chat box off because there were so many negative comments being made and people threatening uh, legal action and this and that. So, yes, there will be a challenge. Uh, There already has been with masks and with the uh, pending uh, vaccine mandates, and uh, the, the state will just have to deal with that when the time comes. Well, so no doubt there's a lot of pushback to this requirement. Uh, What did the governor say with regards to the need for this mandate? Well, he said we're tired. Uh, He said he was tired of COVID. And I know that, you know, thousands of people are tired of it. And his belief is that by mandating vaccines, the science proves that vaccines work and keep people healthy. So with this mandate, he thinks uh, there is a very good chance of finally getting a handle on the COVID pandemic. And it might be too early to say, but any sense of the reaction from parents, students and staff to this news? Well, I I was at the uh, school board meeting uh, that wasn't outside the uh, administration building on Tuesday, and there were plenty, hundreds of parents who were uh, against any kind of mandate uh, for vaccination. So there is that. Uh, But there are also on the other side of it, parents who uh, have been waiting for this moment uh, so that they can feel safe sending their uh, children to school. And ultimately, that's what everybody wants. That is in-person Uh, instruction, in-person social connection uh, for the best of all, for the best for our children. And does Newsom expect that this will quickly increase uh, statewide vaccination numbers or or is is he expecting more of a slow trickle with that? It's hard to say because uh, it won't happen before January 1st. So let's be clear on that. This is not something that will be uh, mandated right away. And once it is mandated, uh, then it will be a, a process to allow time for parents to have their children vaccinated. So for the moment, he looks at it as a positive step in the right direction. What did he have to say about exemptions for this mandate? There will be exemptions, personal Uh, exemptions, which include religious and medical. Uh, So having said that, um, there will be people who will try to be exempt from the mandate. But to be clear, um, the state is very serious about making sure those exemptions are legitimate. So just because someone says, I have a religious belief against this, uh, there will have to be some backup for that in order to be released from having to um, go abide by the mandate. We're seeing a lot about employers potentially letting go of workers who don't comply with this mandate. Did Newsom comment at all on fears of being fired for noncompliance? 
I don't know about fears, but he made it very clear that this uh, is a vaccination that is added to a list of many others that are required, and it is within the right of an employer uh, to provide a safe uh, work environment, and there are consequences to that. So uh, people who are making the choice not to be vaccinated will have to face those consequences. I've been speaking with KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. M.G., thanks so much. Thank you. Some California legal scholars called to investigate and possibly disbar former Chapman University law professor John Eastman for his role in trying to keep former President Trump in office after Trump's election loss. Here's Scott Schaefer with more. On January 6th, Chapman University law professor John Eastman stood next to Rudy Giuliani at the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, just before the violent march on the U.S. Capitol. All we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at 1 o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this so we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. It caused students and faculty at the private university in Orange County to loudly protest Eastman's appearance. One week later, the school announced Eastman was leaving. If I had been asked four years earlier to represent Clinton or had been asked to represent Obama, over his uh, election issues, they'd be throwing ticker tape parades for me. During the 2020 election, Eastman opined in a Newsweek column that Kamala Harris was not eligible to be vice president, citing her parents' citizenship status when she was born in Oakland. Many saw racism in that claim. Eastman says he's a victim of simply supporting Donald Trump. They started demanding my firing back in December, long before this. I mean, even talking about the evidence of election fraud, you know, sent them ballistic. But Eastman wrote a memo outlining how Vice President Mike Pence could declare Trump the winner in spite of the results. UC Irvine elections expert Rick Hassan says Eastman and other promoters of lies about election integrity place the nation at great peril. Now we're in a position where things are worse because the Republican Party is being purged of those heroic Republican election officials and elected officials who stood up to Trump. Hassan, who used to debate Eastman on election-related issues, says he's gone off the deep end and there needs to be consequences. John Eastman should be disbarred. There should be an investigation into what he did to try to manipulate the outcome of the election. UC Berkeley Law School Dean Erwin Chemerinsky agrees, saying Eastman's behavior and role in the election have gone far beyond free speech. It wasn't a law professor expressing a viewpoint. It was an individual writing to the president and vice president of the United States, outlining how to stage a coup. That's why I think it does warrant bar investigation. The California State Bar never says if it's investigating an attorney. Its investigations are kept private until they're complete. Meanwhile, John Eastman says he continues to stay busy with his legal practice. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. 
You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. In the arts this weekend, we'll tell you about Kids Free Month, classical ballet from the City Ballet, Moxie Theater's return to the stage, Art Walk, and a show at the Observatory that gets us talking about indie rock, books, and video games. Joining me with the details is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. So Kids Free San Diego Month kicks off today. What are some highlights? Yeah, this is a program of the San Diego Museum Council, and it runs the entire month starting today. I wanted to look at some of the places that have really great art installations right now that are also participating in Kids Free Month, just as a way to get some cool art to your kids and to you. (laughs) And each museum is slightly different in what they're offering and what their admissions policy is. But for most of the places, if you fill out the registration on the San Diego Tourism Authority website, you can get a free kid admission with the price of an adult. So some of the highlights are at the NAT, the Natural History Museum, where they have installed work by Gabriel Rico. He is the Mexican conceptual artist who is currently exhibiting work at the new ICA San Diego that's also in Balboa Park. His work at the Nat is kind of tucked away in the taxidermy and it involves neon and beach balls. And then at the new Children's Museum, Over the course of the pandemic, they have added a bunch of new murals and installations from some really great artists. There is a new West Bruce Garden exhibit. There's a new Katie Ruiz mural. There's Panka's immersive interactive exhibition. And then there's this brand new outdoor climb-on sculpture. It's kind of a balancing thing by artist Risa Puno. And at the San Diego Botanic Garden in Encinitas, I'm really looking forward to taking my kids to see this augmented reality exhibition. It's called Seeing the Invisible, and it has 13 really kind of fantastical, spectacular contemporary artworks. And you can make art appear in the gardens out of thin air using your phone. One of my favorite works in the exhibition has a sheet-like sculpture. It's made from repurposed plastics, and the augmented reality makes it look like it's flowing in the breeze as you move. And of course, these things aren't really there. Very interesting. The San Diego Museum Council's Kids Free San Diego runs today through October 31st. City Ballet kicks off their season this weekend with some classical ballet. Tell us about this. Right, they're doing three performances at the Joan B. Croc Theater in City Heights. And yes, they're sticking with classical ballet. This show includes three works by the company's choreographer, Elizabeth Wistrich, and her take on Marius Petipa's Paquita, where Paquita is this young woman raised by gypsies who doesn't know that she is of noble birth. They're also doing original work set to the romantic music of American composer Louis Moreau Gottschalk and French composer Francis Poulenc. City Ballet has really great range, and you can't go wrong with them for classical ballet. And City Ballet performs classics in concert tonight and Saturday night at 8 p.m. and Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Mission Fed Art Walk takes over Little Italy this weekend. What can we expect? Right. They're finally back in person at Little Italy. And there's a couple things on my radar. First is artist Cheryl Sorg's featured installation piece. She usually works with these tiny discs of brightly colored film, hooking them together in in what are like shimmering waterfall pieces. And the work she'll show at Art Walk is called Raining Upward, and the public can actually help install these tiny colorful raindrops. 
There's also the Artreach Painted Guitars auction, which Artwalk has become famous for over the years. And then there's also a full schedule of musicians performing. On my radar is Julia Sage, Jeff Berkeley, Gabby Aparicio, and Israel Maldonado. The stages are scattered throughout Little Italy and they have performances all day, so chances are just wandering around you'll be able to hear something. And it's all free. Art Walk takes place in Little Italy Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. In the theater world, tell us about what's on stage at Moxie Theater this month. Right, they're coming back from a long virtual break with the Mineola Twins by Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Paula Vogel. This play was written in the late 90s, and it spans several decades of the women's rights movement, but it all still seems so relevant, particularly navigating these serious political divides within a family. And in this case, it's within a set of almost identical twin sisters. Actress Samantha Ginn plays both title characters, and there's a lot of comedy in the way she navigates these entirely different outlooks, the the political leanings, and even the physicalities of the sisters. Moxie is requiring proof of vaccination and masks to be worn indoors. And they're also saying no children for now under the age of 12. And the Mineola Twins has a performance tonight and Saturday night at 8 p.m., then Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. The play runs through October 24th. Finally, on Monday night, the band Japanese Breakfast performs at the Observatory. Tell us about this. So this band is fronted by Michelle Zahner, and her music is so great. It it rocks, and it's also really complex and beautiful. And Zahner is the author of the new memoir, Crying in H Mart, which is a, a beautiful story about loss, mothers, and food, and grief. And if having a rock band career and being a published author isn't enough, Zahner also just wrote the soundtrack for a brand new open world video game. It's called Sable, and that just launched last week. Japanese Breakfast wrote a full score along with some songs. And here is one, it's called Glider. Japanese Breakfast performs at the Observatory in North Park Monday. You can find Julia's full weekend arts preview at kpbs.org. And for more arts events, sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter at kpbs.org newsletters. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor and Producer Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thanks so much, Jade. Have a good weekend.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.